Look in your Bibles with me tonight, if you would please, to the book of Job. And uh, I'd like to remind you also to remember the Davenport family and also Brother Ed and Miss Kay and Kim's family yonder in Germany. Uh, I'm, I know for sure probably they're certainly glad that they uh, attended Joshua Christian Academy where that the most important thing is not a, a secular curriculum but a spiritual relationship with Jesus Christ. And I remember Kim making that decision and uh, I know that um, uh, if there's any if there's any comfort in losing a young lady, a daughter, it would be that she's saved and she has graduated into heaven. I was, now that we're co-pastors, I suppose we share the same bathroom. There's one bathroom in the offices. It used to be mine. It is now co-pastors. And I was looking at a shaving cream can. It's seldom used, but it was in my bathroom. Now, I use an electric razor. I don't take enough time to look at myself in the mirror. I just mow them and go. But I was fascinated at that shaving cream can and its warning label. It says, warning, contents under pressure. Do not throw into fire. Keep out of reach of children. Harmful. If swallowed, who's going to be eating shaving cream anyhow? You know, those words caught my attention because they summarize the situation that's going on in most Christians' lives. Warning. These Christians are under pressure. Would you agree? They're on the verge of explosion. Come on now, you can say, man, because you know it's a fact, Jack. They're just a few degrees away from losing it. Imagine now. They can't stand the heat. But they don't know how to get out of the kitchen. Imagine that. The pressures and the calamities of this life is on the verge of destroying them. How are you coping with the pressures? Many ought to be wearing a warning label. Stay away. Danger in approaching. Or maybe 
Some of us need to wear a, a sign that says, keep out of reach of children. You know, you think about those things. Maybe some of us need the warning label. Isn't it amazing? The things that you see and take for granted every day. Well, there was a man in the land of us whose name was Job. And that man was perfect and upright and one that feared God and eschewed evil. Verse 2 of chapter 1. And there were born unto him seven sons and three daughters. His substance also was 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 she-asses, and a very great household, so that the man was the greatest of all the men of the east. And his sons went and feasted in their houses. Everyone his day and sent and called for their three sisters to come eat and drink with them. I'm sure that Job was the envy of all the East. Would you say that? If they had a TV program like we have today that I don't know the name of it where that our Trump fires everybody. I don't know why he gets a big joy out of firing people. Seems like my staff has more power than I do. They're trying to fire me. But if anybody in all the world had it made, in the eyes of a world, it would have to be Job. The calamities in his life just absolutely makes me embarrassed sometimes to even read it. When I read of the things that would, took place in his life and and the dedication and the loyalty and the love for God. I, I just hope that I'm someplace else when Job walks by the judgment seat of Christ. I'd like to be out back someplace taking care of his oxen or something. But I don't know if you realize it yet. Some of you young folk don't because you've, the worst thing that's happened to you is you probably was laid on a term paper or something. But life is filled with tragedies, heartaches, and difficulties. We could just but drive to the south a few miles to west and and without any announcement, without any encroachment, without any any kind of warning at all, boom. And houses were leveled and people are homeless and people are dead and people are hurting. Turn the channel, if you would please, and you go to Boston. You find there just a sudden boom and legs and arms and members missing and little babies dead. And it's hard to really comprehend what is going on. And uh, I just, uh, if you've been around long, you've suffered some tragedies in your life. If you have not, just stick around. They're on the way. I mean, it's just a, it's an un, unreal, 
And actually, we all at one time or another have suffered things like that. The church now is almost 27 years old. For me to tell you that it's all been smooth as silk would be the smallest part of a lie. There's been 27 years and there's been some heartaches. And there's been some worries. There's been some tragedies. There's been some devastation. There's hospitals been visited. Funeral homes have been visited. Funerals have been preached. Loved ones have passed away. Teenagers have taken their lives. 16-year-old boys put 38 pistols in their mouth and blew their brains out. Young people have overdosed and I've preached their funerals. For you to think that everything is easy, you need to wake up. This old world is full of sorrow. And although most of us tonight believe Romans eight twenty eight, do we not that all things work together for good to them that love God, yet we know that yet these things are very unappreciated many times. Nobody appreciates hard times and troubles and heartaches. Sometimes we need to read the label. Warning. This life is full of pressures. How many of you have seen blow up under the pressure? How many homes have you seen eradicated and destroyed because of the pressures? How many tonight have become victim of divorce because of pressure? How many is mad at God tonight because something transformed and transpired in your life that you really didn't think God ought to send your way? Many have said, till death do us part. And we reneged on that. But how many of you still believe Romans eight twenty eight? Oh, wait a minute now, wait. Why are you still angry then? Why are you still pointing fingers then? Why have you climbed up on your seat? You've been getting a judge. Was all things working together good back then, but not now? Just when does all things work together for good? And to whom do they work? To those who love God. Those who are called. And I want you to know there's been some things happened in this church I did not appreciate. Now I believe Romans 8.28. But I did not appreciate what was going on. Does anybody here can say amen to that? Come on, say amen. If you don't believe, just get out of the fire, man.
There are some suggestions on how to deal with the crashes in life. Let me read you a couple of crashes, would you please? Verse 14 of chapter 1. And there came a messenger unto Job and said, The oxen were plowing, and the ass is feeding beside them, and the Sabines fell upon them, took them away. Yea, they have slain the servants with the edge of the sword, and I only am escaped along to tell thee. Five hundred she asks, and 1,000 oxen. Now, I don't know how that would rate in the stock market. Now, I don't know how that would affect your, nice, your, your, your gross worth. I have no idea. I, I just have no idea. But I, I suppose tonight, if you were to receive news that you just lost... One third of your net worth. I just wonder. Could you smile at your wife and say. Remember Romans 8.28. Let's shout and praise God. Because we still love God. Wreck. Number one. Now, for that to happen to me, I would have to lose one coon dog and one truck. That would be the total loss. What about you tonight? Crash number one. Want to look at crash number two? Verse 16. And while he was yet speaking, there came another and said, The fire of God is fallen from heaven. That burn up the sheep, all 7,000 of them, and the servants, and consumed them. And I only am escaped along to tell thee. It just can't get any worse. But it did. You know, we can't handle a Rangers game on Sunday. We got folk missing church because of a Ranger game. Wonder what happened if they lost their car and couldn't drive to the game. Wonder if their asses died on the way to the game and they're riding over there. Think they'd give him a camel or something? Be something if got hit in the head with a baseball. I mean, let's go on. You say you're going to make somebody mad. Well, you know, I'm really going to worry about that. Notice Job. Verse number 18. And while he was yet speaking, 
there came also another and said, Thy sons and thy daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. And behold, there came a great wind from the wilderness and smote the four corners of the house, fell upon the young men, and they are dead. And I only am escaped along to tell thee. Now Job did not do one thing to cause this. Job did not make a wrong business choice. Job did not make a bad choice in regards to materialism or spirituality. Job had nothing to do with what was going on in his life. And yet it seems like as I read my Bible, it seemed like that the whole world is crashing in on Job. His wealth is gone. Uh, his his uh, financial standing is gone. His security is gone. Everything he has is gone. And a father of all fathers, his family now is gone. I just wonder how in the world Job handled that. I don't think I could have. Now, I, I just, I know if I did, it would be only by God's grace that I could handle that. Now, I love my children. And I love my coon dogs. I love my wife. But I'd kind of like to love them where they are. Now, notice, if you would, please, there's some things that you need to look at. These wrecks and these hardships and these difficulties that's coming our way. You cannot miss them. When God aims, he aims directly and he always hit who he is aiming at. It was no accident that Job's barns it was no accident that it was his sheep and his camel. It was no accident. God was aiming at Job. And when God aims, you cannot, you cannot miss it. You cannot avoid it. Because they are prearranged, not here, but there. And if you know anything about the book of Job, there was something going on in heaven that Job did not know was going on. It was a meeting between God and Lucifer. And the meeting was that God might get glory out of an individual's life. Now, there's one thing you've got to watch when calamity comes is you've got to watch bad advice. Don't take advice. From folks who have not been where you've been and advice from people who are not walking with God. Don't take the wrong people's advice. Notice bad advice. Chapter number two, if you would please. And verse number nine. Here is Job's advisor and his wife said unto him, dost thou still remain thine integrity, curse God and die. I'll tell you, that's the wrong advice any time. Reminds me of the doctor who went to a party one night and he sees one of his 
patience out on the dance floor. I mean, with a beautiful woman. I mean, just doing the two shoe or whatever they do, you know. Just, I mean, he's having a ball. The doctor walks out to his patient and said, man, what are you doing? And the patient said, well, doc, I'm just taking your advice. And the doctor said, what advice? And the patient said, well, doc, you told me to find a hot mama and be cheerful. Doctor said, man, I didn't tell you that. I said, you got a heart murmur and be careful. Because sometimes uh, you don't receive the information uh, as it was given. So you be careful now on how you handle these, these calamities, these wrecks, if you please, in life. You cannot explain the West deal any other way than a total crash. I mean, wiped out a community. I don't know. You may not have been in a West situation, but I bet you've been in a situation. And I bet you've been somewhere that you didn't know where to turn. And when you did turn, it was in the wrong direction. And when you got advice, it was the wrong advice. So I I don't, I'm not saying I could handle a Job deal, but I did find out in my Bible how Job handled it. I'm not saying I will. I, I don't know what would happen to me if some tragedy happened to my wife. I, I don't know. I've never buried a, a baby. The closest I've come is a granddaughter. I, I don't know. But I can tell you tonight out of the Bible how that Job handled it. And I think that would be beneficial to us tonight. I, I, don't, I don't want to give you off-the-cuff advice. Folk come to my office and, uh, for my counsel, and I sit there astounded that much more intelligent people come to me for counsel. And I should be taking counsel for most of you. And yet, when we go to this book, we're never wrong in our counsel. Thy word have I hid in my heart. Thy word is a lamp and a light unto my path. Tonight I want you to know when, when a wreck comes and when a crash comes, please let me, allow, let me show you how Job survived it. Would it be all right? Quickly now, because I want to watch the after show for the Ranger game. And my wife will say, amen. Just some things I don't like to watch. I don't. Let's go on. How to survive a crash. First, there must be a devotion to God. I get that. It's so simple. There must be a devotion to God. Job 1 and 22, the Bible says, And in all this Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. A devotion to God. Common effects 
to things like that happened to Job. This would cause some folk to have a heart attack. I mean, it don't take much for our blood pressure to go awry, does it? I went to the doctor. He said, you got high blood pressure. I said, ain't that good? I thought that would be better than low. I had no idea. He said, what you got worrying you? I said, I'm married, got six kids, pastor a church, and go hunting occasionally. And I'm 73. Nothing wrong with me. I have no problems. Shoot, it's all downhill from here. But he said I had blood, high blood pressure. He told me how high. I said, man, I ought to be walking four foot off the ground. <laughs> you know, I know folks that's absolutely had heart attacks when things like this happen to Job. Uh, during the Depression... During the stock market crash, there was people jumping out of windows and killing themselves. There were folk blowing their brains out because they didn't know what in the world to do without all their finances. And I'm saying to you tonight, ladies and gentlemen, that a lot of times when problems come and crashes come physically and emotionally, we have nervous breakdowns, we have anger beyond measure, hidden and uh, repressed anger, and then there's backsliding, drawing away from God, and then divorce. You know, can you imagine how happy Miss Job must have been as she saw the wealth going? Imagine what a heartbreak it must have been when all of her kids have died. All ten kids are gone. Can you imagine what, what anguish of soul? Can you imagine what nervous uh, a spasm she must have had? Can you imagine the, the wrenching of her heart, the very tearing out of her soul? Can you say, well, look what she said to Job. What would you have said, lady? I mean, just what emotions would have been running through your heart and mine as you see the security go out the window and you hear the last thing that all of your kids have been killed and now it's going to the funeral. I wonder tonight just what your natural effect and natural result of having all this bad news. I can't imagine. I don't know how I would have reacted, but I know how Job reacted. Job chapter 13, verse 15, the Bible said, And uh, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. Do you see that? Do you see old Job? He knew who was in charge. He knew where everything came from. He said, The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He knew he did not receive one thing that God did not give him. And so Job had a devotion to God, I think, that would embarrass most of us. I can remember when they said to the apostle Paul, Paul, when you go to Jerusalem, you will be incarcerated, you will be thrown in jail, and you will be a mockery to society, and eventually they're going to cut your head off, and they're going to kill you. You know what he said? None of these things move me. None of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear to myself that I might finish my course with joy and the fulfilling of the gospel ministry that God has given me. Do you know, I think there's a devotion there that maybe some of us might be lacking just a little bit. 
You know why tragedies and heartaches and crashes make us go the wrong way? We're devoted to the wrong things. We're devoted to the wrong people. We're devoted. Oh, I'm devoted to my wife and I'm devoted to my husband. Buddy, I'm devoted to my God before I'm devoted to anybody. And my wife is here tonight and she knew that when she married me. And my kids know that. God knows that. I know that. I just wonder if anybody in the world knows what would happen if something happened to you like that. Look at our pews tonight. Just what big catastrophe kept our people at home this evening. Other than the ranger game. What does it take to keep you away from God's house? It's not just God's house, it's God's word. It's not just God's word, it's God's people. It's not just God's word, it's just not church, buddy. It's you being loyal, devoted, and loving, and faithful, and serving our Lord. And I'm just wondering in mind, how did Job do it? Job did it because he realized where everything came from. And he was devoted to God, bless your heart. And notice Paul was the same way. A devotion that will not give up. Oh, you say, preacher, I I just, I'm just there because I love God. You ought to be here because you're devoted to him because he loves you so much. A devotion that still believes when cattle is gone and when the camels are gone and when the wealth is gone and when the servants are gone and when the prestige is gone and when the power is gone. Devotion that will keep you believing that God still loves you and that God wants to bless you. A devotion that sees the finish line, not just the starting gun. A devotion, bless your heart, that embraces God's plan. I like the Apostle Paul. You remember he said he wanted to finish his course. You remember that? At the end of his life, as he watched the fellow who's going to cut his head off, he wrote this, For I am now ready to be offered, and my time of departure is at hand. The only reason he could say that because Paul never had any problems in his life. He was a 21st century Christian that lived in air conditioning, drove cars with cruise control, smart cars that could park themselves. Smart cars. See, Paul, Paul, had it easy, not like us. And the reason Paul could say, I am now ready to be offered. And what he meant by that? Offered? He says, I'm willing to climb on the altar of God. I am ready to be offered. And my time of departure is at hand. He said, uh, I I believe I have fought a good fight. I have finished 
Now listen, my course. Are you going to finish yours? Or when you lose a few sheep, or maybe a few camels, or something else comes your way. Are you ready? What's something else would God allow to you to knock you out? What something would God allow come your way that you could stick your head down and pout and walk out of God's will? You say, preacher, I ain't got any camels. I don't have any she-asses. Do you have a health? Have kids? I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. I'm talking about devotion. You know what kept Job going? He was devoted to God and not to junk and not to temporary. He said, thank you for letting me enjoy it. The Lord giveth. (laughs) I just wonder tonight if God messed with some of our junk. I wonder if that would clabber our milk. I wonder when you got home tonight, if mama was mad at you, if you'd still read your Bible tomorrow. Just asking. Because I don't know if I could make it or not. But I'll tell you how Job did. Job gave God the glory because he was devoted to. God. Secondly, there was a dependence upon God. Job realized in verse 21, he said, I realize where it all came from. He said, naked came I out of my mother's womb. You know, I've never seen a baby born with a diaper on it. In fact, the baby just don't have much at all when he comes. All of mine, I think, were bald-headed and toothless and a brat. I guess I'm the only man in the world who ever fathered five brats. It must be genetic, don't you guess? Huh? How many of you folk got anything you didn't receive? We act like it's been ours all the time, don't we? Now, we just act like, look what we've done. Hmm? Job realized where it all came from. That's what a lot of folk don't appreciate in America. I was reading today in the book of Psalms in my devotion that uh, men live like they made it and live like 
they're going to take it with them. But I want you to know, you're not going to. Three things Job realized. Number one, Job realized that God sees the big picture. Now what you need to realize is God sees the big picture. Right now, we're just taking snapshots. Uh, We're here right now, and we're just taking snapshots right now. Thank God for iPhones. Nothing is sacred anymore, right? Uh, Nothing is sacred anymore. You better be careful what you do with your iPhone. Somebody might be taking your picture right now. And so you better be careful where you go, what you do, because somebody might be taking your picture right now. In fact, I can't even go anywhere. My wife has got a tracker on my phone. Andrew has a tracker on my phone. Mandy has a tracker on my phone. What they don't know is I leave my phone a lot of places. They don't know where I'm at. (laughs) Some of you guys got trackers on your phone too. You just don't know it. At least my family would tell me I am in, I am being tracked. They think that I'm going to get away and I'm getting old and senile. I'm going to get my way back to the house. So they got a tracking collar on me like we could put on them dogs and I turn them loose. We just want to see what they're doing all the time. And so uh, I want you to notice something. Uh, Job realized three things I think it helped him. Number one, that God has seized the big picture. He knows what's going on. The Bible said that his ways are not our ways. And his ways are fast, uh, past finding out. And I'm so glad tonight that his thoughts are not my thoughts. And my ways are not his ways. That his ways are higher than my way. And I'm glad that he knows what's best for me. I don't know. And most of you know. That I, I've, well, I won't, I won't go into that. But, you know, I don't know. When my wife and I started this church 27 years ago, I had no idea what to do. I was over the hill before I ever started it. I was old man before I ever started it. And I should not have started it. But God said, you hadn't got any place else to preach. Why don't you just preach here on your porch on Wednesday night. See. I already got somebody disagreeing with me. See. And they're arguing that it was Sunday night. But I know when I preach. It was Wednesday night. They just didn't get the message till four or five days later. But I was looking at the little picture. Is anybody here glad tonight. That God had a bigger picture. I, we got an email today from Ryan Ashcraft. Ryan had 25 people saved today. Wonderful. Somebody gave him a building to meet him. Our missionary in South America. I'm glad that God saw the big picture. And I want you to know tonight, whatever's happening in your life, don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. 
All things are working together for your good, even though everybody around you don't believe it and everybody around you is saying that ain't the way God does things and everybody around you said, I just, I just don't understand it. You know why you don't understand it? His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And when folk drive by in front of your church and says, the pastor is not scriptural, the pastor is not in God's will. The pastor should not be pastor in a church. I know about his past. I know what has gone on. You just tell them that God's ways are not our ways. And God's thoughts are not our thoughts. And God knows in his divine being what's best. Job... Hang on, buddy. You don't understand. I've lost everything. Job, hang on. Just God knows. God knows it's for your good. God's trying to get glory out of your life, Job. Hang in there. Dig in. Don't give up, Job. God's trying to get glory now. And the devil knows if just one more messenger, just one more shows up and says something else happened, that'll drive you over the top, Job. You'll quit. You'll throw in the towel. God will not get glory. I'm glad I don't know everything. Is anybody here that way? But I'm glad I know people who do. Second thing Job knew was he recognized he could not do one thing to fix it. That'd be the best thing for us to realize. We can't do one thing to fix it. You know who has to fix it? The same guy that was messing with it to start with. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all of these things, Job realized that self-effort was in vain. Well, preacher, what can I do to get out of this? I always tell them, don't you think you ought to give up? You've made a big enough mess out of it. Folks always call them, preacher, what do I got to do? What do I got to do? I said, why don't you just do nothing? That might help a little bit. Third thing Job knew, that worrying was harmful, not helpful. Be careful for nothing, Paul said, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and mind through Christ Jesus. You know what we need to realize? Number one, God's looking at the big picture. We're just looking at snapshots. Self-effort is in vain. And thirdly, worry is harmful, not helpful. Mark Twain said, I'm an old man and have known many troubles. But most of them never happened. 
Ain't that the truth? A famous saying by a great giant one time, don't give yourself nervous breakdowns worrying about tomorrow's problems with today's grace. You'll meet that wonderful individual one of these days. How many of us do that? We worry about, worry about, worry about, worry about things that haven't happened yet. Job had enough happening to him. He said, I think I'll just depend on God. A total dependence upon God. I'll close. There must be a diligence before God. Please look at this. Verse 9 and 10. Here's the advice. Then his wife said, Dost thou still retain thy integrity? Curse God and die. Job said, But he said unto her, Thou speakest as one of the foolish women speaketh. I wonder if Job had been in on some of the hen sessions. What shall we receive good of the hand of God, and shall we not receive evil? In all this, Job, he did not Job sin with his lips. Well, what did Job do? He did what he could, verse 8. He did what he could. And he took him a pot shared or a broken piece of pottery and scraped himself with all and he sat down among the ashes. What you do is you do what you can while you trust in God. Just trust God. Do what he can. What's the lesson in verse 8? Maybe it's this. Those who have been broken. Now notice this. Those who have been broken can be used of the Lord to help others who are being broken. Job took that which is already broken and aided in he who was being broken. Quit being so harsh and critical of those who are being broken because God wants to use you and I who have been broken to help those who now he is breaking. There must be a devotion to God, a dependence upon God, and a diligence before God. I will not talk about there must be a declaration. I close. I can identify one day a preacher who had lost his entire family. Doesn't make any difference how he lost it. Was walking through a city, was discouraged, he was depressed, and he was defeated. He was trying to understand 
God's purpose in allowing him to suffer the greatest loss in his life. As he walked, he passed a construction site where they were building a great, huge cathedral. And he stopped just long enough to watch the stone cutter chiseling out a real small triangle out of stone. He was so meticulously chipping away at this triangle. The stone cutter stopped his work and spoke with the preacher. The preacher was curious and he said, what are you doing? The stone cutter replied, sir, do you see that tiny opening way in the top of the tower? And he said, yes. Well, said the stone cutter, I'm cutting out this piece down here so that it will fit up there. What's God doing to us? He's cutting some things out of our life. He's shaping us down here to fit up there. With that in mind, That's how you survive a crash. God's still working on me. You remember that old song? To make me what I want to be? No. Not he wants me to be.